Hello, thank you for joining LTC NAC Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Post-Acute Care Nursing, APACN. I'm your host, Amy Stewart, Vice President of Education and Certification Strategy here for APACN. And I'm here today with Jennifer LeBay, APACN's newest curriculum development specialist. Jennifer joins us to discuss some common missteps related to MDS coding and PDPM that nurse assessment coordinators need to know. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. As new NACs are entering the workforce, what can they do to ensure documentation is in place to capture key services and diagnoses impacting PDPM? Thank you for that great question, Amy. There are a lot of things that the new NACs can do. They are likely experiencing information overload with all of the things they need to know to do their job. But one important thing, but simple thing that they can do is to make sure they're reviewing the medical records of their skilled Medicare residents daily. The medical records should tell the story of the resident's needs for skilled care. Anyone reading the record should be able to clearly understand why the care requires the skills of a nurse or a therapist on a daily basis and why the services need to be provided in the SNF versus a lesser level of care. This is the basis of Medicare skilled coverage. If the documentation is not in place to support these things, the NAC and the team need to look a little more closely at the resident. Does the resident no longer require skilled care or does the staff need to improve the documentation skills to support the care and services that are truly being provided? It's much easier to discover and correct documentation missteps as it's happening than trying to piece it all together six months later in the medical record review. If the resident truly does not need a skilled service, then appropriate notifications must be delivered to the resident timely to notify them of this. So this is something that the NACs are able to do now that they have less assessments to complete with the PDPM schedule. In addition to reading the nursing documentation for review of Medicare skills, the documentation review should include a review of the hospital documentation, physician progress notes and history and physical, to ensure they're supporting documentation for all of the diagnoses that are currently affecting the resident's plan of care and skilled needs. This review needs to happen earlier because then it will allow the NAC to have more time to query the physician or physician extender to get the documentation in place to support the MDS coding and the PDPM case mix group. And another reason that it's important for the new NAC to review the records on a daily basis is to better understand what's going on with the resident. The more information the NAC has about the resident's day-to-day needs and services, the more likely the NAC will be able to accurately capture those services on the MDS to ensure accurate care planning and accurate assignment of the PDPM case mix groups. There are so many aspects of calculation of the PDPM case mix group, it can be overwhelming for the new NAC to keep up. I really like that recommendation to review daily and you know in real time i couldn't agree with you more so important to do that and that's a great tip for new next moving on what are some common pdpm related mds coding issues that next should be aware of 
Oh, that's another great question. It is so important for the new NAC and even seasoned NACs, because PDPM still is relatively new, to understand the MDS coding instructions as well as the different PDPM case mix groups and what gets the resident into those different categories. Several MDS items impact case mix group calculation. As we know, there's very specific instructions for coding the MDS and the REI user's manual. One that I can think of is shortness of breath when lying flat, for example. This does not have to be observed during the observation period. Unlike the shortness of breath on exertion or while at rest, the REI user's manual says that we can also code this if the resident avoids lying flat because of shortness of breath. So a simple interview with a resident about the avoidance of lying flat and the reason why they're doing that, and if they indicate it's due to a historical shortness of breath, that will support capturing the shortness of breath while lying flat on the MDS. This resident interview should be documented in the medical record, of course, because all of the MDS items need to have some supporting documentation behind it. But you don't have to prove that they have that issue during that observation period. Their statement is enough. And with the shortness of breath when lying flat, with an active diagnosis of COPD, that will impact the special care high PDPM nursing category. Another item that is commonly not accurately assessed is fever. The REI user's manual tells us that a fever is 2.4 degrees above the baseline temperature. But if there are no baseline temperatures assessed, then we are to determine a fever as being 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit. So if facilities are not regularly assessing baseline temperatures of all of the residents, this could be missed and will impact the resident's clinical picture. If a resident's baseline temperature is 97 degrees, a fever for them is 99.4 degrees. So if we wait until their temp rises another degree before any treatment, this could have a serious impact on the resident's health. In addition, a fever coded on the MDS will also impact the special care high category when coupled with pneumonia, vomiting, weight loss, or feeding tube. And one more MDS issue that is commonly missed is the capturing of services provided when a resident receives a service out of the facility, but they're still a resident of the facility. New NACs may misinterpret the while a resident and while not a resident column in section 0100, for example. While a resident does not mean that the services have to be provided at the SNF. While a resident means the resident has not been discharged from the SNF to receive these services. Examples of this could be IV medications or transfusions received during an emergency room visit and the resident returns and doesn't meet the qualifications for a discharge. Or dialysis received at a dialysis center or radiation or chemotherapy received at an oncologist's office. If the services were delivered within the look back period of the MDS being completed and there's documentation to support these services, they can be captured on the MDS in the while a resident column. These items could impact the special care low and clinically complex nursing categories of PDPM nursing component. NACs need to review the instructions and coding very carefully to ensure accurate MDSs. That's really great information, Jennifer, especially when you talked about the linking of, you know, just this one item and how it could impact a category that the person may not fall into because they miss capturing this one item like fever, like you said. Right. A lot of software systems now have more advanced MDS scrubbers built in, or they use a third-party scrubber. 
how can these assist NUNAC with accurate coding for PDPM? Oh, yes, the MDS scrubbers. This is great. When I was a relatively new NAC, uh, maybe I only had about three years experience, my facility utilized a third-party MDS scrubber, and we would upload the MDS to the scrubber prior to submission to the federal repository. And as you mentioned, some of the software programs may now have some of these scrubbers kind of incorporated right into the electronic health record as well. We'd submit the assessment, we'd get back a report with all of the potential MDS coding issues to review, or it would just pop right up in the electronic software. And I would scour the report and the REI manual to make sure that what I had coded on the MDS made sense for that resident based on the documentation that was in place to support everything that I coded. I used to refer to this report as the, are you sure report? Since it was ultimately saying you coded this, are you sure you don't want to code something else in addition? And that's based on logic. So these MDS scrubbers are built on the technical specifications and logic, and not necessarily the knowledge of the resident or what is documented in the medical record, especially if you have electronic records as well as paper documentation. It looks at how the MDS is coded and what would logically should or could also be coded on the MDS related to that answer. So. Take surgical wound, for example. Many scrubbers will see that a surgical wound is coded in section M1040E of the MDS and then cross-reference it to see if surgical wound care was coded in M1200F. If it's not, this will pop up on the scrubber report I do caution new NACs to not take these scrubbers at face value and just code the surgical care just because the scrubber says to. Just because the scrubber is asking if the surgical wound care could or should also be captured doesn't mean that it must be. We have to go by what's in the medical record. The scrubbers really would encourage the assessor to get to know the rules of MDS coding. So for example, if the physician has an order in place to keep the surgical dressing in place, until the first follow-up visit, and there was not any surgical wound care provided in the observation period, and the NAC was correct not to code surgical wound care, then that's appropriate. You just make some documentation. However, your facility wants you to follow up with those scrubber reports to say, no, this in fact was actually accurate. I coded the MDS appropriately, and the information is correct. As you get to know these scrubber reports, it actually makes you a better knack. It made me a better knack because it forced me to really look closely at what I was coding to make sure I really understood the definition and the intent of the question from the REI user's manual instructions. And the more I used the scrubber, the more I reviewed the REI manual, the more comfortable I became with the MDS coding and accuracy. And these scrubbers also encouraged me to use MDS notes. So whether you have a built-in area in your electronic health record or you just put an additional note into the medical record, I'm a big fan of the MDS notes. So if I knew from experience that a scrubber might trigger a potential concern and I knew what I coded on the MDS was 100% accurate, I would document my rationale for coding very clearly in the MDS note or progress note. As a NAC, I never wanted anyone to have to question why I coded something the way that I did. I always liked to create a nice roadmap in my MDS notes or progress notes to make sure it was very clear to any reviewer, whether it be another staff member, whether it be a surveyor, whether it be under Medicare medical review, why I coded what I did on that MDS. So a scrubber is a great way to do that. Thank you for that. 
Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners today? Thanks, Amy. Yes, I would love to stress with our listeners how important it is for the NACs to understand all aspects of their job, whether it be MDS regulation, the REI user's manual, Medicare regulation, the PDPM case mix group calculation, all of the MDS coding rules to ensure the accuracy, first and foremost, to make sure that we are providing the best care to our residents, the most patient-centered care that's really going to assist us to you know, follow our mantra to attain or maintain that highest practicable physical, psychosocial, mental well-being. That is our charge. But we really need to understand all of those things for financial purposes as well, because we need to make sure that you know we get one shot at this. We get one MDS to do. We need to make sure we're capturing all of those services to ensure that we truly are getting reimbursed for the services that are being provided and that the resident is actually getting their benefit, that they have been paying into the system for so many years, they're entitled to that benefit. And we need to make sure that we understand all of the rules associated with that. So we are helping the resident to meet that benefit. So take your time, read the records and the instructions and code accurately. We're looking for quality MDSs, not just quantity. We don't need to have that large volume. And I know that perhaps you know, we may be under the gun, we need billing done, we have a lot of assessments due and we need to bang out all of those MDSs, but what is the point if the information on the MDS is inaccurate or quality? So quality MDSs, what good is that complete MDS if it's not even accurate? As you know, APACN has great resources available to the new NAC for training, and we just have a lot of great products that can assist the new NAC to meet these requirements. Thank you, Jennifer. You've provided our listeners with a lot of great information today about documentation, how to use the scrubber information, and along with what happens if you miss coding one item. So really appreciate your time today, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. For more resources and tools for nurse assessment coordinators, please visit our website at www.aapacn.org. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the LTC Mac Chat Podcast. Heard the news about how you can improve quality care and increase efficiency with Ability? Ability offers a range of applications to simplify the complexity of healthcare allowing organizations of all types and sizes to spend more time on care and less time manually collecting, analyzing, and reporting data. This allows you to remain in compliance while making data-driven decisions that benefit residents. With Ability, your facility can improve resident outcomes, optimize reporting data, enhance reimbursements, and much, much more. Discover what Ability has to offer at abilitynetwork.com slash apacin.